tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Thank you for being with us, whether you're either here in person or online. Welcome. Uh, My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And honestly, I am so impressed with the people of our church. I I just, I mean, look around. There's impressive people around you. If you're online, just look at the screen. You'll see some people maybe there. But um, I'm just so impressed. Uh, I enjoy hearing your stories, uh, uh, how you are serving the Lord, how uh, you're searching for God, growing deeper with God, seeking to follow him, and, and the brave ways you have overcome. Some have overcome difficult family issues Some overcoming and still overcoming difficult health issues, maybe the loss of a loved one, and sometimes racial issues, and then boldly and bravely stepping up and out to serve God in some way. Uh, You have valiantly done that, stepping out and stepping up and pressing on in life, seeking and, and listening to the Holy Spirit and responding courageously You are an amazing church. Give yourself a hand. You know, I get get inspired uh, by stories uh, like when I'm around you of people courageously stepping out and responding to Jesus' call to help and to care and to serve and to share and show Jesus' love. There's an interesting movie coming out this March it actually is already released in Europe in January. It's called One Life. It's a story of Nicholas Winton, uh, born in, the, in 1909, baptized as a Jesus follower, came to faith in Jesus in the Anglican Church uh, in England. Uh, though his parents were of, of German-Jewish heritage, Nicholas grew up in Britain and became a, a broker in the London Stock Exchange uh, now, not much is known about his faith, but, but something moved in his heart to courageously respond to a need. He was doing quite well as a, a stockbroker in the, in, the, in the exchange there in Britain, and he was on his way to a skiing trip to Switzerland. When, he, when a friend asked him for his help to do some welfare work in Prague, then Czechoslovakia since 1992, Czech Republic and Slovakia, that, that visit to refugee camps of Jewish families as Nazi philosophy and movement was growing moved Nicholas to do something. Through countless hours of raising funds, bravely dealing with Nazi officials, securing transport, he arranged trainloads of kids to be taken from Czechoslovakia, from Prague, all the way to Britain. And he worked out the housing. Him and a team of people worked out their housing and, and secured that transportation. And, and even some kids were adopted, some 600 plus kids. Well, the last train with hundreds more kids never made it out because World War II started. Devastated, Nicholas put this courageous effort away and really didn't talk about it to anybody. He moved on with life. He got married, he, he had kids, he even helped in the war effort at the time. But he never told anybody about what he had done, not, he, not even his wife. Well, some 50 years later, his wife found 
Nicholas's notebook. It had in their names and, and photos and information about each child and where they went. Nicholas, when his wife asked about it, said, well, it's, it's not important anymore. But his wife thought, I, I need to turn this over to a historian. It just so happened that historian was one of the kids that was saved. The BBC, uh, the British Broadcast uh, Network there, uh, broadcast company, picked up the story. And in 1988, during a TV show, some of you have seen that clip online called That's Life, Nicholas was invited to meet one of the survivors that he helped rescue. And after her introductions, the host asked if there was anyone else in the audience whose life was spared because of Mr. Winton. <laughs> Most all of the audience stood up. It was a very emotional moment, a moving moment, where one man's courageous actions were used by God to save hundreds. <laughs> I can't wait for the movie. It's coming out in March. It's that sense of responding courageously that comes up in our continuing study of the Bible book of Acts, now in Acts chapter nine, verses one to 19, where we learn more about Saul, who will be called Paul, but mostly of an unsung, brave, courageous man named Ananias, where we find four actions in responding courageously to Jesus. For moving through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change for all. So let's look into more of, about what happened with Saul and Ananias and how we might respond courageously to Jesus. But before we do, would you mind just standing to your feet if you're able, and let's pray. I don't believe you're here by accident. I believe you're here on purpose. And God has something for you. And maybe even to challenge you in this area of responding courageously to him. Let's pray. Father God, thanks for bringing us here together. Lord, I know I'm inspired by a story like by Nicholas Winton and, and even more so by the story of Saul and Ananias. God, teach us and challenge us from your word this morning. May we be open to whatever Holy Spirit you wanna teach us, challenge us and use this time we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. You can have a seat and I encourage you to take out of your worship folder that you were handed when you walked in. John referred to it a little bit. Inside is that card. Please do fill out a prayer request. These sit on my desk after they're processed and I pray for you throughout the week and I'd love to pray for you about anything that's on your heart and mind. If it's confidential, only goes to just the staff and elders, you can put that on there. But if you turn the worship folder over, there's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. If you're online with us, you can actually pick up the worship folder somewhere online there and also encourage you to pick up one of our study guides, uh, which is in the lobby area or online and it has all the, the answers to the fill in the blanks plus a bunch of other verses that I mentioned and you'll wanna look up later as you go into study because our hope is that you would use this time in God's word as a launch pad for your own personal study. Also encourage you, to, as John was mentioning, that devotional, you'd pick that up and walk through that. That's always helpful. If you need more help and as you walk with God, there's a revived section of our webpage, lots of information on that. Also, there's a link to our podcast, which we do most every week. This week will be a day late because of the holiday tomorrow, but I uh, would love for you to join in on that. We have a lot of fun delving deeper into this. Well, the Bible is, is full of stories of people courageously responding to God. Noah built an ark because it was gonna rain for a long time and it hadn't even rained yet. People are going, his neighbors going, what are you doing, Noah? I'm building an ark. <laughs> it's gonna rain a lot. What's rain? He, he courageously went forward with God's reality. David faced a giant 
Daniel braved a den of hungry lions. Abraham left everything to follow God. Moses overcame his insecurities. And these first followers of Jesus that the Bible book of Acts talks about uh, bravely faced the rage of prideful religious leaders who hated Jesus. Hated him so much they had him murdered. Thinking that that would put an end to this movement of Jesus who was so-called Messiah and then all the miracles that flowed in Jesus' name. (laughs) But that didn't happen because Jesus didn't stay dead. And that's what we get so excited about Easter and that's why the devotional is getting us ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because he's not dead. Don't ever make that mistake. He's very much alive. And, 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 And even more so in this Bible book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit came on the scene, now it was available to all who believed. And many were filled with the Spirit and many signs and wonders happened. Stephen was one of those that was used by God and, and doing all kinds of incredible things, preaching amazingly. And again, in Acts chapter seven, the religious leaders sought to murder him. And as Acts chapter eight starts out, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem arose, started and, and then spread to other cities. And this guy named Saul was right in the middle of it. Actually, he was there when Stephen was murdered, executed, holding their coats. Now, we know that person, Saul, to be the Apostle Paul. Paul was a, an uber-Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible, proficient in most all of the writings of the prophets and knew Jewish law backwards and forwards. But unfortunately, like other religious leaders, had missed the purpose of the law to show us that we need a Messiah, that we need Christ, that we need to deal with our sin. And they also misunderstood the teachings of Messiah, thinking that it would come to overthrow Rome instead of come to overthrow sin. And these religious leaders had let pride and the desire to be known and influential take over. Now, Jesus warned us of all the misgivings of these religious leaders. If you want a a place to go read that, read Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus gives all these woes to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders. So this Saul was right there, letting his zeal and and fueled by his religious fervor, uh, seeking to wipe out this Jesus of Nazareth movement. It was seeming to be effective until Saul encounters Jesus but not just Saul. There's an ordinary guy, a lot like Nicholas Winton, an ordinary guy named Ananias who encounters Jesus, where we find these four actions in responding to Jesus, responding courageously to Jesus. For moving through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change for all. The first of these actions is to accept Jesus' correction. So if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter nine, and we're gonna be reading through nine, first part, nine to, to, to um, verse nine. But let me start it out this way in verses one and two. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. Now Damascus is about 130 miles uh, northeast, or north, yes, northeast, of Jerusalem, and it was said that as the persecution fall of Jesus' followers hit, when Stephen 
was persecuted and then now it hit all of them, many fled to Damascus. Now it says, it goes on, it says that, uh, so that if any be found belonging to the way, that was what uh, Jesus' followers were called at that day, the way, really meaning the way of truth, and that kind of put it in the face of these religious leaders because they thought they had the way of truth. And yet these were saying, we are the way, we are the way of truth. The one true way of faith in God. And so Saul set out to, to this encounter, something happened. Listen to what happened, verse three of Acts nine. He was gonna bring these men and women, and I might, might bring them from Damascus bound to Jerusalem, verse three. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The man who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, without sight, he neither ate nor drank. Now sure, Saul could have blown this whole thing off, gone back to Jerusalem, argued with this apparition. Yet his response is interesting. He says, who are you, Lord? Now, saying Lord could be a respectful greeting, but that's actually a different Greek word. The word here is kairos, usually, kurios, usually meaning related to God. Now Saul, being a good, zealous Pharisee, has read and longed for encounters with God like Moses or David or Daniel or Isaiah. As they had an encounter with God, every Jewish religious leader said, I want to have an encounter with God. So in a sense, he's saying, is this you, God, Lord? Hoping for that interaction. And yes, it is. Yes, it was. Jesus, God the Son, answers, I am Jesus. And though Saul had knowledge of Jesus, his miracles and, and witnessed Stephen's execution, this direct interaction with Jesus and what followed gave way to faith in Jesus. Saul was willing to be wrong and accept correction. If we're gonna act courageously for God, it's gonna mean we're gonna need to accept Jesus' correction. In Acts chapter 22 and 26, expand more on what happened in Saul's, in Saul's response you can read about those. We'll get to those later as you look through the Bible book of Acts, but they give a little more insight into what's going on here. But what we do know, according to our text here, in Acts 9.9, <clears throat> the blind Saul was not eating or drinking for three days, and as according to verse 11, he was praying. In those times, I'm sure, wrestling and putting together what he knew of the law and the prophets and the, and the teachings of Jesus and seeing Jesus' miraculous appearing but Saul knew he was dead. Now others say and claim that Jesus was alive, but come on, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Oh yeah, there's this guy named Lazarus. 
that a bunch of them saw raised from the dead. But this can't be right. Yet it was. And it is. And somewhere in there, Saul humbled himself and came to faith in Jesus as his Messiah. And Saul's humble wisdom, he was open to correction. Proverbs 9, 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Wisdom is being humble and open to learn. And at times that means being corrected. Someone who has chosen wisdom will take the, correct, the corrective instruction and be attentive to the teaching and in that being wiser still. It takes courage to be corrected and if we're gonna follow Jesus, we are gonna face correction. Get this phrase, people. None of us are perfect. I mean, look at the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. And then receive it too. <laughs> And we ought, a lot of us know we're not perfect. I, for sure, I'm the chief of all sinners. I, I know I'm not perfect. And man, when you face God's correction, it's not fun. It's humiliating. But it's part of following Jesus because we're not perfect. And we all make mistakes, including me. <laughs> it takes brave humiliation and brave humility to accept correction. And that's what God asks us. We want to courageously respond to Jesus. It's going to take that willingness to accept Jesus' correction. You see, moving through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change to all. It did for Saul, Paul, and it can for each of us. The next action in responding to Jesus is to yield to Jesus See, this is not all about Saul. Let's meet Ananias. Look at verses 10 through 12. Saul is taken to Damascus. Verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Now, you may remember if you've been studying the Bible book of Acts with us, there's another other person named Ananias who had a wife, Sapphira. They didn't go well for them. They, they were gone. This is not the same Ananias, just different guy. Maybe, maybe uh, reclaim that name, Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias said, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias to come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. We know Ananias was yielding to Jesus. Ananias, just an ordinary guy, but responded courageously and yielding to Jesus. We know that because of the words, here am I, Lord. Not a question mark, here am I, Lord. Uh, we, we, again, the, the Greek word kurios, meaning Jesus, meaning Lord, meaning God. It's a phrase that is repeated all throughout the Bible. Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 11, says to God, Here am I. Uh, Jacob in Genesis chapter 31, verse 11, and chapter 46, verse 2, says, Here am I. Actually, 
his name was changed to Israel, which means let God prevail. And if you know the story about Jacob as he wrestled with the angel, let God prevails, has great meaning, but he says, here am I. It's a yielding to God. And actually the name Israel is a yielding to God. Moses said, here am I, in Exodus chapter three, verse 11. The prophet Samuel, and you gotta read his story about how he hears God. In, in 1 Samuel chapter three, verses four and five, he answered that in a yielding way, here am I, God. And also the prophet Isaiah. I'm gonna just read to him where he says, here am I, in Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord, Isaiah is speaking. He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. It's an expression of submission and surrender, yielding to the Lord. And here Ananias is yielding, saying, here am I, Lord. Now, Ananias was not some great leader or anything noteworthy, just a willing follower of Jesus. See, Jesus wants to include all of us who are willing, who are yielded. Too much we think of all the reasons why we cannot follow what God asks us to do. And you see, instead of saying, here am I, Lord, we say, yeah, but God, you don't understand. (laughs) You ever get the comical statement in that, God, you don't understand? Remember, he knows everything. God, you don't understand, I have so many problems and worries and issues. I'm busy with the kids and and, and in work and my own issues. Now, yeah, we need to process our feelings. We'll talk about that in a moment, but but yet we are to be willing with a yielded heart. And Ananias is forever part of Paul's story because he was willing. The question is, what about us? So here's the challenge this week. Why not say, here am I, to God this week and see what happens? I bet it's gonna be amazing. See, moving through the ordeal of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change for all, including us. That means you. As we accept Jesus' correction and yield to Jesus' call, we will need to process fears with Jesus. That's our next point. Look at Ananias, dealing with his own anxiety. Verse 13 and 14. But Ananias answered the Lord, remember after the vision saying, go to see this guy named Saul from Tarsus, lay hands on him. Uh, But Ananias answered, said, Lord, I, I, I have heard from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Um, Jesus, <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this about this Saul guy, what he's done, he, he's, he's, he's trying to stamp out all who follow you, all who do anything in your name and who teach you and who do miracles. But yes, <clears throat> Jesus knew that. Jesus had just confronted Saul and now Saul was processing his feelings being so zealous about being righteous for God to stamp out this imposter, finally realizes that he's been actually going against the Messiah himself. Whoo, that's gotta be a lot to deal with inside. Paul was processing his own issues with Jesus. 
And we need to process our feelings. Feelings are important, but they're not all important. Anxiety is real. Well, you can feel Ananias' anxiety. You want me to go to the Christian killer? And also, our feelings are powerful, and they should be talked out. But we need to be careful that they do not become more influential than Jesus. Ananias expressed his feelings. But what led him was the choice to follow Jesus. So get help, talk out with Jesus and maybe some good counselors, but then move. For moving through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change for all. Which brings us to our last action to courageously respond to Jesus. It is to go to go where Jesus leads. Let's look at verse 15 now. And the Lord said to him, go, for he has chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and lay hands on Saul and said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from the eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. In in Greek, word order is important. And the fact that Jesus first answers Ananias and says, go, means an emphasis on that action, that he was to go. The word go also is in the form of a command. It's called an imperative, meaning not, it's not saying that, um, Ananias, if you have time, or, or if you want to, or if you feel like it, then you know you can just kind of go. <laughs> no, Jesus says, go! Now, Jesus has said it before in verse 11. He'd said, rise and go. But the emphasis was in this powerful here, and here it is powerful. It's just go. Now, he gives Ananias reasons, but he doesn't answer Ananias' fears. Jesus gives the good right reason because Jesus has reasons that are beyond our fears. Yes, he will process our fears with us, Sometimes he'll answer them, but most of the time he says, just trust in me. There's a great Bible verse. You ought to write it down and memorize it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Ananias trusted in Jesus more than his fears or feelings. Did you capture that? He trusted in Jesus more than his fears and feelings. Doesn't mean he didn't talk them out, because he did, he processed them just a few verses from then, but he did what Jesus asked. The question is, what about us? For moving through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call 
yields amazing life change for all. You see, God wants to include us in all kinds of things that he's doing. But will we go? Will we yield? Will we take that correction and move forward? Ananias is forever part of the Apostle Paul's story because he responded courageously to God. I wonder whose story you can be part of as you respond courageously to the Lord. A guy like Nicholas Winston was used by God to save hundreds of kids and their legacies live on. Plus he received many honors from Israel, from Prague, knighted by Queen Elizabeth II, named as a British hero. There's even a statue of him just outside of Prague and many other honors. When we step out responding courageously to Jesus, it makes a difference. As both Saul and Ananias have shown us, responding courageously means we accept Jesus' correction. We, we yield to Jesus. We, we process our fears with Jesus, but then we go where Jesus leads. For stepping through the ordeals of answering Jesus' call yields amazing life change for all. Will you pray with me? Father God, <laughs> I just process through this story of, of both Saul and, and Ananias, Lord, we're just inspired, much like with Nicholas Winston, or Winton, Lord. Um, these people who just are ordinary people, stepping out and being used of you. Yeah, the Apostle Paul's amazing. We don't hear much about Ananias except for this story. And Nicholas Winton just went into obscurity, and it would have gone so if his wife hadn't have found that notebook. Lord, these are ordinary people that so much life change has come through. Lord, we know that you want to use us in that same way. May we be willing to hear you and follow your lead to go. Yeah, sure, process those emotions, but yet yield to you, Jesus, and at times accept that correction. Bless us, Lord as we seek to live your way and encourage us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.